Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings, yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. Hello, survivors. This is Erin Hartz, and today I'm talking about panic attacks. And I was reading a book recently, and it talked about how we can hide from ourselves, how we learn to hide our emotions because we basically don't know how to deal with them and we're in fear. So that's what I'm going to kind of talk about today, open up and unpack today. Um, I'm reading the book called The Body Keeps the Score, which I know is a really famous and popular title. But now that I am 100 pages into it, or actually over 100 pages, um, it's a very dense, truly psychological study about the body that I doubt a lot of people have read the whole thing. I mean, I know we know the concepts of it, but it's a very difficult read as is how I'm taking it. Um, but it's very good and worth it. So I'm only about 100 pages in it has how many it has Ooh, 450 pages oh, for 420 pages. <laughs> and um, so this body keeps the score, I'll put the show notes, the link in the show notes there about it. And I was reading here on pages 98 and 99, and it talks about in this chapter, losing your body and losing yourself. And it was so poignant because I know so many people right now are saddled with anxiety and have panic attacks, and it's really scary. I have had a couple panic attacks in my life. And they were very scary. It feels like you're going to die, like you can't get a breath and your lungs just kind of stop working. And it's it's scary because we're not taught why that happens or how to deal with it when it does happen. Okay, so in here he says that traumatized people chronically feel unsafe in their bodies. The past is alive in the form of a gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies are constantly bombarded bombarded with visceral warning signs, and in an attempt to control these processes, they often become expert at ignoring their gut feelings and numbing the awareness of what is played out inside. They learn to hide from themselves. So that is exactly what I was doing. I can look back now at my two different panic attacks. One, I, I think I counted, discussed them in another episode, but one of them was when I was in high school and I had to present my senior project and I just was scared to be in that room with all these like educated doctoral people that are going to say if I did my project or not. I remember leaving there and having a major panic attack and going to the nurse for the only time I ever went to the nurse in high school and calling my mom and asking her if I could come home and luckily she let me. Um, but I was 
just needing to cry. That's really kind of how that one came out. That I went to the bathroom, I think, because I was feeling all these those emotions. I wasn't able to finish my presentation. I think I got through it, but I was shaking so much and I started crying that I think I ended it pretty quickly. And then the people on the panel were kind of grilling me and I got more nervous and more nervous and more shaky and more shaky. And I left there just in tears. And I think I went to the bathroom and I tried to cry it out for a little bit, but I still just felt so lonely. I felt so confused about what just happened. I had no sense of what was going on there and why I was so upset about why I was so fearful. Um, And, you know, at that point, I didn't really know for years what had happened there. I just knew that I didn't feel good. And thank goodness, um, I went home, my mom let me go home. She you know, I wasn't someone that complained a lot. Like I said, it was the first time I ever went to the nurse my whole high school career. And you know, she let me calm down. But you know, my mom didn't really even talk to me about it. She was maybe she asked me how I was doing, but there wasn't a deep discussion. But then my I was a senior that year and my language arts teacher who barely knew me, he did call my house and he was there on the panel and had kind of seen what happened and how they had pretty much grilled me and he thought it was a little bit unfair. And luckily he was on my side and knew that I was a good student. I had luckily had him two years, so he knew me from the prior year as well. And I think I got an A in both of his classes, so he knew that I was a hard worker. And so he said, yes, we're definitely going to accept her project and sorry that they treated her a little bit harsh. And it meant so much to me that he would call my house. You know, it makes me think as a teacher when I call someone's house, like how important that is and what a big deal it is, especially when it's like middle or high school because it doesn't happen as much then. And, you know, there's no conferences that you go in and meet the teachers. So you don't have that space unless there's a teacher that is willing to do something outside of school hours, really. Um, I mean, sometimes I call parents within school hours, and that does work out sometimes. But um, he went above and beyond, I guess, and I'm really grateful for that. So I go back to those feelings of panic attacks, and I think a lot of us just don't know what they are, and they're scary. Um, And it says here also that... We know that panic symptoms are maintained largely because the individual develops a fear of the bodily sensations associated with panic attacks. And I know that's true. Like if you think about when you've had a panic attack, I think that I was scared of my bodily sensations. I didn't want to be feeling upset. When I had my other more severe panic attack, I was um, newly single mom, newly sober. And I remember um, my son was taking a bath. He was about three years old. Then he was taking a bath. Or maybe he was four. Yeah, he was like four then. I guess he had turned four. And um, he was taking a bath. And it was one of those nights that I was just feeling so overwhelmed emotionally. And if you have kids, you know, bedtime and bath time can be very, very challenging. And 
you know, it gets messy and then kids don't want to go to bed. And a lot of times my son would fight taking a bath because then he knew that that was going to lead to bedtime and he just wanted to stop the whole process. So he was in there taking a bath and I don't remember exactly all the details, but I remember I just started feeling so incredibly overwhelmed that I couldn't breathe. I had to leave the bathroom. It was a really small apartment, though, so like it seems really safe enough. Like I was literally just a few feet away from him. I left the bathroom and went into the kitchen, and I, you know, just had to breathe deeply. And I could feel myself wanting to cry like really, really hard, like just wanting to have this humongous deep cry. And I could feel my body not wanting it to come out for some reason. And this was a long time ago. This was probably more than five years ago. And I did not know how to deal with my feelings back then. The therapists that I had had up until that time, they didn't really give me a lot of strategies. They more just listened to me, um, which, you know, maybe is what I needed. I don't know. But they didn't really help me with future things. They just like dealt with maybe some things in the past or just listened and didn't give a lot of feedback. And um, so I didn't really know what to do, but I could tell I really needed to cry. So I think I cried for a couple seconds. And, you know, then I felt like I had to get back into that bathroom with my son. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't ever really want him to see me crying because I didn't really know why I was crying, I think. I think that was the biggest part of it, too, is like when we have a panic attack, we don't necessarily know why it's happening. Um, So I think after I got my son out of the bath and... I don't know exactly what happened, but I was still feeling pretty upset and maybe still in the middle of it. And as he was safe, I called a friend of mine and she picked up the phone, thank goodness. And I told her like, I'm having a panic attack, like I can't even breathe. And she knew enough to just be like, well, what do you think this is about? And that's like all she asked, like, what do you think this is about? And the first thing that came to my mind was, like, I feel like my my dad is, is not happy with who I am. I feel like I'm not good enough and I'm going to be yelled at for who I am or something like that. And it's like I was fighting against this perfectionism that I expected myself to do to be the child my parents wanted me to be. And here I was, you know, 37 years old or whatever. And that was the first thing that came to mind that, that I, I feel like my dad's going to be mad at me. (laughs) So, I mean, it's small, but it, it makes sense because all those inner, all that inner child stuff, I hadn't done that work yet. So those, those parts of me were still so big and overtaking of my experiences that it felt like I had no leader. So in um, internal family systems, IFS, there's the leader of the selves, and that's what we try to grow and mature the leader. So now I feel like I do have kind of an adult leader that that lives by my values and things like that. But back five years ago, I hadn't learned about that type of therapy, and I didn't know about inner child work. I think I actually hadn't really looked into that yet, and the leader is grows strong enough so that it can allow these parts of self to share how they're feeling 
without overtaking the whole emotional system. So it's like you have to accept these little parts of you that have feelings and listen to them and then allow them to come back into your body system. Like instead of pushing them away, we have to embrace that part of us and listen to it and be curious about it. And then with being curious and accepting it, it can integrate back into our system. And then we're able to keep that leader in charge instead of having these parts get out of control. And to me, that's kind of, that seems like what a panic attack is. It's like a little part of me I didn't listen to and I didn't listen to and I didn't listen to. And then finally, it just can't handle it anymore. And it it has like a tantrum. And it's like, listen to me, feel me, look at me, you know, and I think that's really what it was. So my friend's question of what is this about? She gave me the space to talk about it. And I didn't know what it was about. But I went with my first instinct that it was about perfectionism and about performing so that my parents loved me. And um, that was the feeling of that part of me that I couldn't be my authentic self because then I wouldn't be accepted in my family. And, uh, you know, it's kind of true. Like there was a lot of turmoil in those years after that, where I did have major conflict with my family. And luckily, my parents never said anything like they disowned me. But there were things that they could have tried to take away from me if they'd wanted to. And um, luckily, it didn't get that bad. But did it have a lot of emotional? Dif- it, were there a lot of painful times where there's emotions and me having to set boundaries and having to grieve the loss of what I thought was a strong family connection. Yeah, it took years of grief work and and crying it out when I was alone and feeling um, sad that I didn't have the connection with my family that I thought I did and that it wasn't going to be there. Um, And I had to get over that, you know, not get over it, but I had to be accepting of that. And I had to grieve that I had to let go of it in a loving and kind way to myself. So let's see, I have another quote here that I wanted to share with you too from this page. Because it talks, this is kind of about the solution, right? So here we go. It says, self-regulation, so that's our goal is self-regulation, depends on having a friendly relationship with your body. Without it, you have to rely on external regulation from medication, drugs like alcohol, constant reassurance, or compulsive compliance with the wishes of others. Man, he just nailed it in that sentence, didn't he? I mean, we can either go for self-regulation and try to integrate that into our routine and allow for these times of processing and having a friendly relationship with our body, or we can fight against it. And then we end up getting into these patterns of drugs and alcohol helping us feel okay with our, our feelings or constant reassurance. Oh my gosh, that one really hits home for me because... When I took away the alcohol, it's like then I could see those other things that I use as crutches to try and make myself feel good. And constant reassurance from others, letting go of that and trying to be okay with myself and my own values 
um, with the help of, I'd say, my higher power. I don't think I did it completely alone, but it was a lot more alone than calling a friend and trying to get her to validate me or getting validation from a, a man of some sort that, you know, in some probably sexual way, um, those things feel good for a little bit, but then they really lead to really negative happenings in our lives. So this is the goal is self-regulation and it depends on us listening to our bodies. And I think, you know, this is so powerful. This book is so good. Um, maybe I recommend it. I don't know if it's for everyone because it is a pretty deep dive into the psychology of the brain. Um, but these little tidbits I'd love to share with you because his work is so important and even though this book was written a long time ago it's just becoming more popular knowledge now and uh thank goodness it is you know i love people that talk about this kind of stuff like the holistic psychologists and um others that are doing the same kind of work so great job for being here and showing up survivor we can do this. We can learn the skills to self-regulate and not use substances and not use other destructive methods of feeling our feelings, but our body does keep the score and we need to listen to those parts of us. And um, so let me know how that's going for you. You can always find me on Instagram. All right. Take care, survivor. Bye-bye. You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.